And there is a a a lot of uh, excitement and leaning towards hiring educators directly for this role. And I think it goes back to what I mentioned a little bit earlier, Adam, is you really have to be able to understand who these customers are, just like you do individual students. You really have to uh, look at their individual needs as customers and create a plan for an entire year, like a lesson plan. And you have to be able to speak at the lowest common denominator and be able to teach at different levels for different skill sets while you're implementing. So the hardest skills to teach in customer success, you already have as educators. Welcome to the podcast. So glad you have joined the teacher exodus. Our guest today is the head of customer success for DemoFlow. He has a bit of an education background, actually a, a huge education background. Please join me in welcoming Mitch Belsley. Mitch, thanks so much for being on. Yeah, thank you for having me, Adam. Happy to be here uh, and, and chat with you a little bit today. So, Mitch, tell us, you got out of college. What was the original plan? You weren't intending to go into customer success, I bet. No, I, I most definitely wasn't. I, 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 when I went to college, I had some really bad advice from a high school teacher <laughs> no. that said, when you go to college, you have to know what you're going to do. Don't waste your parents' money. Don't waste money. You have to know what you're going to do. And, and like most of us, I, I, I had an idea at 18, but uh, um, here I am in a totally different arena today. And I, I went to, to college and quickly fell in love with the outdoors. I went to college at Southern Illinois University uh, on the southern tip of, of Illinois in the Shawnee National Forest. And I actually joined uh, the outdoor education program or the outdoor rec program at Southern Illinois University in hopes of teaching people about the love of the outdoors, environmental education, and really the skills that they need to survive and, and really thrive in those environments. And so that's, that's where I kind of started in my path in education in college. Oh, that's exciting. I love the outdoors. And then something changed. What made the big change in your life? After graduating college, I, I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do. And if, uh, if there was any way to, to have some type of a, a actual career that I could afford a lifestyle, uh, it was to go back to college and get more education, of course. Uh, and so I went back and got a master's degree and, and came out a little bit, uh, a little bit lost. I, I was a college professor for a little while uh, at, at Southern Illinois University, and I had a chance about seven years ago to move here to uh, Denver, Colorado, the, the front range of Colorado, which is where I am today. And I was working for uh, one of the largest school districts here uh, as an administrator and teacher at the Environmental Education Center here. So. Um, in the state of Colorado, every sixth and seventh grade has to take a environmental education overnight or course. And we were that facility for uh, uh, the school district. And at the same time, I actually met uh, one of my very good friends, Doug Bell. And uh, Doug is quite a bit older than me and in, in, in the 
the business consulting uh, world, business process and customer experience consulting. And really, we, we, found, we found a synergy where the skills that I learned as a teacher and the skills that I had in, in outdoor education seemed to be immediately applicable to being in the boardroom and consulting. And, and, and it, it turned out that, that teaching uh, businesses how to run their business more efficiently and how to provide a better customer experience was not that much different than teaching people uh, the love of the outdoors and how to survive and thrive outside. And so uh, through through some chance and some conversation, he invited me along to uh, co-found a company with him, a business consulting company that we were also starting a technology company, a software as a service. At the time, the company was called The Experience Manager, and we were going to uh, consult and rebuild customer experiences for major brands all around the world. And they were going to utilize our software to maintain and continue to evolve those, uh, those processes and those experiences. And so that was my jumping off point, Adam. I, I really, I took a, a 180 from being outside teaching people to rock climb and beyond one day to quite literally the next day, the boardroom of a fortune 500 company here, here in Denver. Well, you do. I mean, out of all the teaching uh, subjects you could do, I do think you picked probably one of the coolest to go into. Um, so when you were teaching, did you leave because of any of the dissatisfactions that are generally talked about with teachers now? Or was it just based off of wanting to do something else and make more money? Yeah, I think that there, if I'm being completely truthful, there was... Uh... There, there, there was a lot of both, right? Okay. Uh, there is, there is no hiding the fact that uh, the world is expensive, and in order to, um, you know, live a more comfortable lifestyle, especially if you live in an area um, like I do here in Colorado, where, where, um, you know, the cost of living is extremely high, comparative to some other places in in the world, uh, uh, technology uh, in consulting was definitely a place where I could, I could make more money. But I, I also am one that is always up for a challenge. And um, I, I think like most of us teachers or former teachers, we, we feel maybe a little bit undervalued maybe by the, the community at large, not necessarily the students that we teach. And um, I think that maybe that drove me a little bit into to, to trying something new, but also the ability to gain a little bit more of a, a life back. Uh, you know, at the time, the type of teaching I was doing, I was, I was driving an hour each way and often spending uh, weekends and evenings away from my wife and my family. And uh the ability and flexibility to almost make my own schedule or really work from home uh, was extremely, extremely attractive to me as well, too. Uh, so I also want to touch on one specific point, though, Adam, that uh, one thing that I think held me back that I had to overcome was the intimidation of the pivot from education into this unknown world of technology. And what I want the listeners to know out there is take a big deep breath it's not that much different especially the world that i'm in today in customer success and building customer experiences within an organization uh once i got over that hump of that intimidation and i realized that 
there was a lot of synergies between what I was doing as a teacher uh, and in the technology space, uh, it was much easier to, to take that leap. So that's perfect because it jumps right into what I wanted to ask you about. Um, so many teachers, when they get to the point where they're ready to make a jump, it's like this fear of the unknown and like fear of, I don't know, like, I have no idea what's in front of me. I don't know this path at all. Here, I'm very comfortable teaching. I'm very comfortable doing what I'm doing, but I'm afraid of leaving that comfort zone. Did you face a fear um, of leaving teaching? And then how did you get past it? Yeah, that's, that's a very valid question because most of us, uh, you know, who come from an education background or are teachers, we've invested a lot of time right. and therefore money, yeah. money in, in education, right? A very specialized education to, to gain the skills and the credentials to be a teacher. And so I think it's as much of the unknown and intimidation of what the world of tech could look like, you know, what the software world or technology could look like as it is, am I giving up? Have I, is all that time and money uh, on the education that I've created to become an educator, is that wasted? And so I think that that's probably a challenge that a lot of people face, uh, you know, a lot of educators out there that are thinking about taking this leap. And that is something that I, I can wholeheartedly tell you what you learned in the classroom, both training to become a teacher and in the classroom teaching is not wasted time. It is absolutely gaining valuable experience for exactly what you would do in the world of technology. Um, so I think for me, it was coming to that realization that I still have to make lesson plans <laughs> to implement, you know, I have to teach complex subjects to, uh, to, to children who are really adults, right? I have to, I have to teach complex things to people to realize value, um, to get them to understand and almost become teachers themselves. And that, that there's a direct parallel there to a lot of these hard skills. Um, but, but I will say, yes, it, it is a scary thought. And I would say that resources like the podcast here and talking to other individuals who, who have taken that leap, uh, can make that landing a little bit softer or, or, or make that uh, decision a little bit easier. Okay. One more question about the transition and then we can talk about um, customer success. Can you talk a little bit about the change of purpose? You know, when you go into teaching, you have this conviction that there is a need for this, there is a purpose for this, and you're very purpose-driven. And what they fear, what teachers fear, and I feared it, and I talked to others that fear it, is if I leave teaching, I'm going to lose my purpose. So could you talk a little bit about that, about how that changed once you made the jump? That is a, an excellent question that I've thought a lot about, Adam. And um, here's, here's one thing that I, uh, that I feel is when you make the leap, mm -hmm it is important to go to a place that you feel is going to make an impact. And what is great about technology, which is, is sometimes hard with teaching, is we, we as teachers oftentimes are changing lives. And we, you know, we have a purpose, but we're changing a, a cohort or a small group of people. Uh, sometimes it's 10, sometimes it's 30. Uh, and over the course of a 30-year career, it's maybe hundreds or thousands 
Um, but if you pick the right company with the right mission, technology and software allows you to, you know, evoke good and change in the world at a mass scale. If you are creating products and services that at the touch of a button can can reach every corner on earth to, you know, um, improve the world in some way, whether that's the workforce, the environment, um, you know, our financial system, wherever you choose to land, um, I actually think that that purpose and that conviction can be focused and deployed at a much greater scale than, than one can in an individual classroom. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of power in that. And, and, and that's something that, that I fall back on and, and try to think about all the time. It's really important, you know, you emphasizing that if you pick the right company, you know, when you spray and pray for a hundred companies and you put out a hundred different applications, you're not doing the diligence you need to do to make sure you don't end up somewhere that's not going to be good for you. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think... I've been very fortunate to land um, in, in the seven years that I, I have left education and been in the technology world um, in some really amazing places, some amazing companies. Mm -hmm. uh, I will say uh, there are more and more tech jobs popping up every single day. There is no shortage. Right. So although you do have to pay your dues to a certain degree, you know, in, in first leap, mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it should come at the expense of, at the expense of, you know, selling yourself short on the mission in at least the group of people that you'll be working with, right? And that's not always easy to tell, right? Because when you're interviewing, it's like dating. You only, you know, have a couple of dates before you make some type of decision. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it is important to build a foundation and a network of people who have made this switch or have worked in tech for a while to maybe help you identify what those companies are are right out of the gate. And it is okay to say no. Um, don't forget, you you have a skill set. You can always fall back and continue to be a teacher until you find that right fit. Mm -hmm. But I will also say that... Um, don't expect that you're going to find the most serendipitous, you know, uh, incredible fit at your very first go. But that's OK. It, you know, you need to you need to uh, plant a stake in the ground mm -hmm. uh, and gain some of those hard skills right out of the gate. And then you can start making your moves from there. So, one, this is so great. Like you're offering such great advice for everyone. I'm so excited you're on here. So let's say our teachers, they go through our quiz, they find out they scored high in customer success. Um, what, is, what does a customer success manager do? Yeah, when you think about a CSM, it's, it's to do th three different things, to drive adoption and deliver value uh, of, of the technology that has been sold to them. There is no cut and dry solution. There is no one size fits all. So teachers are perfect for that because how many different, you know, children or people that you maybe teach, you know, across the landscape that you have to, to realize the value in, in teach the value um, or the lesson to the level that they can understand it. Number two, they need to earn passionate advocates. Mm -hmm. So the CS team is really there to turn customers into raving fans that 
they bring your technology with them. And then to make sure that when that yearly renewal is up, that they're going to sign again because they would never leave the organization because of the value that you've been able to, to deliver. So, you know, I would say the ultimate goal is to drive revenue for the company. And the secret is the customer success team usually is in charge of about 70 to 90% of the revenue of the entire company because it's all of the existing cu uh, customers. Mm -hmm. um, but, but, but really, yeah, the, the CS team is there to almost be an extension of the company that has purchased and be an advocate for the customer, really help them realize that value and, and implement the solution. So how much is sales involved? Because there is, I mean, with renewals and whatnot, do you feel like there is a sales component? Yeah. So. Um, we can break that down down a little bit, right? Okay. So when you look at sales, we're typically thinking about a few different roles, right? Uh, kind of the, the the top end of the funnel, like an uh, like a sales development rep or a business development rep that is kind of qualifying the lead and bringing them to an account executive. And that account executive is, you know, really kind of maturing the deal, giving the pitch, maybe in tandem with uh, um, somebody like Dan on pre-sales side. And eventually a sale is going to be made. In the more complex organizations, there is an implementation team that is actually going to do the onboarding and, and get the entire 10 people, 100 people, 1,000 people stood up, uh, you know, on, on the, the platform. And then they're going to pass it over to customer success and say, all right, they're off and running. Now it's on you to maintain this relationship. Mm -hmm. Now where sales come back in, I think where you're alluding to Adam is, um, upsells. Uh, so maybe another product, uh, expansions, right. Uh, renewals. And I think, I think we're the, the real bifurcation between sales and CS is is good cop and bad cop, right? CS is the good cop. They're there. Typically, don't carry a quota. You know, it's not my job to sell more to you. It's my job to help you realize the value so you purchase more. The bad cop gets brought back in for more the transactional side. So hey. They're ready for renewal. Let's pull the account manager or AE account executive back into the fold. Let them negotiate the pricing uh, and do a little bit more of the sales tactics and actually hand the paperwork over. So I think you find the best CS organizations, the best organizations in general, have a have a very fine line and they do not allow customer success to be synonymous with inside sales. And when sales and CS fly a little too close to one another, um, that's where things get get a little murky. They're, they they should be partners in crime for sharing information, um, but uh, when it comes to the actual transaction versus the at you know advocacy for the customer, there, there's there's kind of a fine line there in between both. That's interesting. It's news to me. Does it is that a common practice that it's handed back to the AE or in you know a percentage of them? Does that CSM also do the negotiation? Yeah, and and I think that that's where Adam it comes back into play, kind of at, at the beginning of of this piece of the conversation. Is every organization is a little bit different, sure, right? 
if if you're an organization like us at Demoflow and there's, you know, we're a young startup that is moving towards a Series A round and there's 15 people at the organization, I may be playing that role uh, around the negotiation and the contracting side of things. Okay. Uh, I think if you're looking at uh, a, a company, you know, the size of Salesforce or SAP, they do have very defined roles and a defined process where they understand that pulling account managers back in or pulling an AE back in to do kind of the hard negotiation uh, is definitely uh, kind of where where they, they tend to draw the line and, and, and keep those roles separate. So I don't th think just like a CS would implement uh, in an organization, there is no one size fits all answer there. Uh, but I think it just depends org to org. So let's say they're these teachers, they are like, okay, uh, I got this on my test. I got this on my quiz. Do I need, like, how do I get into being a CSM? Am I qualified? Do I have to do a course? What would be your recommendation for how they could get hired and get noticed? Um, for being a CSM? Yeah, that, that's a good question. So I, I've been attending uh, quite a few leadership um, panels with my peers that are, are kind of um, directors or heads of CS across different organizations. And there is a a, a lot of uh, excitement and leaning towards hiring educators directly for this role. And I think it goes back to what I mentioned a little bit earlier, Adam, is you really have to be able to understand who these customers are, just like you do individual students. You really have to uh, look at their individual needs as customers and create a plan for an entire year, like a lesson plan. And you have to be able to speak at the lowest common denominator and be able to teach at different levels for different skill sets while you're implementing. So the hardest skills to teach in customer success, you already have as educators. The area where I would um, nudge those of you listening that are thinking about maybe taking on a role in customer success or or have received, uh, you know, um, the results of this test that say, hey, CS would be perfect for you is on the technical side of things. And there are resources out there like Coursera. Um, I think it's uh, Udemy. There's, there's, there's quite a few of them where you can gain a basic understanding of Salesforce. You can gain a basic understanding of some of these technology tools in the, in the tech stack. And, and I am a firm believer because I'm an educational convert that those things can be taught. Those can be taught. Uh, they can be learned. You can do them in the evenings at an hour at a time. And so that's where I would say concentrate your focus for, for gaining skills is around kind of the hard skills of the technology side. Um, which I also realize educators are not green to by any means these days, having taught online. And, and you're already familiar with how to navigate some of these complex tools, um, but just maybe more so in, in the sales CS world. Now, I know this is going to be kind of tricky for you to answer because it's a very wide uh, question as far as, you know, companies are all different. But 
Let's talk income potential, because that is one of the benefits of going to this profession from teaching. What is the income potential, the average, for somebody coming in brand new to CS? It's a really good question. So let me let me phrase it like this, and this may be something that you can um, relate to as well, Adam, is uh, the... When you look at, for instance, coming into technology in the sales space, right? There is kind of this, you start off as an SDR or BDR. It's kind of like the like a first landing uh, you know, uh, spot. Right. You kind of graduate to becoming more of an account executive. Then you might head into more of like a pre-sales role or you know, manage it, management and beyond. And there is this, go out there and look, there, there is a CS platform called Churn Zero, which is, is really one of the leaders in the space along with others like Tatango and, and beyond. And they've kind of created this role called a customer success associate. And that is almost the equivalent of a SDR or a BDR, a, a CS associate. It, it'd be a great landing spot for almost zero background. I would say, and and I, I want to say that the, the average CS associate coming in fairly green with a passion for teaching is maybe in the realm of, and, and I think I looked not that long ago, of 55 average starting off, right? With, of course, the ability to work from home, all of the perks and benefits. Um, I think when you graduate into the CSM realm, uh, you're talking anywhere from 75 to 110, 120. I mean, you know, fa fairly well. And then when you're getting into those more senior levels, I would say that they follow almost an exact path as like a sales role, uh, managerial role. I mean, a, a high end, you know, the, the, the end of the road would be a, a chief customer officer, right? Mm -hmm. A C-suite level or a chief of customer operations. And that would be right there in the, you know, uh, high six figures uh, arena, right? Uh, so there is a, a full parallel progression there, but I would say paying your dues completely green, maybe like a Anywhere from 55 to 75, I think uh, 75 to 100, maybe just plus as a CSM role. Um, but again, Adam, as I said, depending on the organization, you may get commission and bonuses for resells, upsells. I mean, there, there's all kinds of different payment structures. And would you say that, you know, if you play your cards right, it's very possible between years five and seven that you're making close to 200K or is that too far of a stretch? I don't think that that is too far of a stretch. No, okay. um, I would say, and it, it all comes down to because you know s s the sales side is it fluctuates so incredibly crazy, right? And so if there is some baked in commission, percentage of commission from upsells, resells, cross sells, I mean the sky's the limit. You know who knows? You could have a base of one fifty and a cap at three hundred. I I I don't know. It can it can really fluctuate. But but I would say that you're you're kind of right there in the realm of of where you can be five to seven years down the road, especially if you want to take on more of a a leadership type role as well. Now, what a lot of teachers do is they say, okay, I have, if I'm leaving education, then I got to and I'm going into tech, then I go into ed tech. That's just what I, I mean, EdTech is their first go-to. Um, do you recommend that? And 
what would be your advice to somebody if they they were hesitant to go into tech outside of ed tech? That's that's the comfortable landing, right? Is you feel that you 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 have a, a background in that space and and it might feel comfortable to go into ed tech. I would say that you should think about the other passions that you have in your life as well. So for me, although I never landed there, I started looking into uh, outdoor recreation technologies, um, like a like a hip camp, and and I think Adam, you mentioned having spent time either working or being at a summer camp. There, there's a lot of technologies that summer camps and camps use in order for registration and you know providing information while your your child is away at camp. And so I felt that's the world I was coming from, and I'm. I love the outdoors still today. I'm an, I'm an avid rock climber, fly fisherman, hiker. I love to, to raft. And so I would encourage you to think about, are you a reader? Uh, look at, at technology, you know, that maybe facilitates reading or purchasing of books. Um, you know, don't just think because you come from the world of education that that's where you need to stay. Um, think about where else you're passionate or are you passionate in, in environmental conservation? I mean, it, there, there's, there is a technology for everything out there. There's, there's a problem in every arena and there is people trying to create solutions around that. So I, I would encourage people don't, um, don't just look within that box, but, but start to, to do some introspective reflection and, and think about where, where else you might be passionate. I know that you are head of CS, are you hiring managers well or no? Yeah, and I I think that we might have uh, might have mentioned that before we started recording. Yeah. But uh, at, at DemoFlow, um, the head of CS right now is is effectively I'm kind of running CS um, in multiple different roles. So as as I said, we're we're a small startup uh, and growing. But yes, I am a hiring manager and looking as we get closer to our series A later this year to, to hire actually, um, uh, you know, underneath me within this, in this role. Okay. And what are some skills that you would say teachers can emphasize as they are trying to pitch themselves to these companies about the skills that they have from teaching that would be beneficial for a CS role? I think that, again, I, I would probably relate it back to um, number one, planning. You know, in the outdoor world, we always called it uh, the three P's, proper prior planning, right? And, and every day as a teacher or every year, we're creating these lesson plans and we are planning for the day. Mm -hmm. And every day that you wake up as a CSM and every new account that you take on, it takes a lot of planning. That is a skill set that you are, you already have. You can, you can take information and you can create a lesson plan or a success plan for an organization or an individual user or cohort of users. And so I would lean on that. Those skills are invaluable because if I hire you and I say, we just signed Google as a customer and we have a thousand people coming on, mm -hmm. I need you to make a plan for how we're going to support them, right? I, you have those skills. I would also say relationship building. We, we know with our students, uh, we are masters as educators of building trust, rapport, and being able to teach and talk at their energy level and their skill set. 
when I talk about implementing Demoflow or the other solutions that I've, I've talked about, I, I encounter a wider range of skill sets to people that are very resistant to technology and maybe at the end of their careers, to people that are fresh out of college and um, have all of the, the technical prowess, but but maybe need to be able to, to hone in on and how they would approach conversations and usage of, of our tool. So I think your relationship building skills will create those advocates uh, for, for wherever you get hired. And so I would lean on how you can teach at different levels and build those relationships because being a CSM um, is all about relationship building and, and same with sales as well too. Um, it, it's really about you're the one building the relationship with the brand uh, just as much as the product is that that you're you're teaching people. So I think I think those are those are two core skill sets that that you can always fall back on. But really, objections and pivoting in the moment there there's so much that you have that that you can fall back on as a skill. And I think that you can show that in your interviews and show that in in how you apply for jobs and, and really impress hiring managers. Do you have any suggestions as far as LinkedIn? You know, a lot of times you go to apply for these jobs and it says there's a hundred applicants. And so you're like, there's no way, there's no way I'm going to beat those hundred. Do you have any advice for a approaching jobs through LinkedIn? You know, I, I personally have not, I, I believe, applied for too many jobs on LinkedIn. But in, in terms of resources for applying for jobs and things that I've either had other colleagues or friends in the tech space that have, have made this journey that they have found useful. Number one, if you're afraid to, to dust out the resume and the cover letter, right? <laughs> Never be afraid to put aside a few bucks here and there over a couple months and hire a really amazing resume writer because they are going to help you take these skills that we're talking about, like uh, lesson planning, and evolve it in the language that is going to catch the eye of recruiters, right? And unfortunately, there's so much today, there, there's so many technologies that are already qualifying or disqualifying you based off of how, you, you know, they're, they're basically pushing words through an algorithm and saying this person has a predisposition to, to being a great candidate. So don't underestimate a really well-written resume or hiring a resume writer to help you there. LinkedIn, um, you know, it, it's so much about your network and who you know as well and starting to make those connections. When I, when I go to customer success meetups, there are often people that are educators or people that are not in the tech space at all that just say, hey, I'm here to meet people because I'm thinking about making this jump. So oftentimes you'll find your first job going to those meetups, whether virtually or in person. And then I've also found that there there is a... a a website, an organization called Built-In. And there's Built-In Colorado, Built-In San Francisco, Built-In Montana, Built-In Chicago. And those are pretty much exclusively incredible job boards where you can, you can find these jobs and you can apply for them very easily. And you can go into these built-in meetups. There's a, you know, I go to Built-In Colorado. That's where we uh, post jobs and that's where we, we look for local talent as well too. Because um, although at Demoflow, we hire anywhere in the world and we are remote first, 
we always love to, to look uh, in the Mountain West area in the Front Range. So um, uh, check out those built-in websites because they are amazing resources. Well, this has been absolutely fantastic. I do um, have one question for you and then we'll wrap it up. As far as what is going on in education today, there seems to be a mass teacher exodus. Um, teachers are leaving in droves. What are your feelings about that? Um, do you look at it more as a heartbreaking situation or do you look at it more as in hopeful that, wow, this is just going to benefit the tech world even more? How do, you, how do you view what's going on in teaching right now? It's interesting to reflect on because I think it is heartbreaking in, in the, the realm that uh, for years, decades, you know, uh, um, decades upon decades, teachers have been underserved or, uh, um, you know, underpaid and underserved by their community, uh, you know, uh, for, for being entrusted with our most valuable resources, our children, or um, even other adults to be able to provide education. It is heartbreaking because I know those of you listening and those of you that are studying to be teachers right now, um, are incredibly intelligent and empath empathetic people. So the thought of uh, us feeling in this stagnant world of, of not supporting teachers in the way that that we can to, to do what they've gone to school to do and, and love being teachers is heartbreaking. Uh, absolutely. And, and I don't know, I don't know what that answer is, is there, but it does make me excited to know that if you're making that leap to technology, you're not leaving the teaching world, okay? You please know that. You're not leaving education behind. You are applying your educational skill set through, through a different medium and, uh, you know, through maybe a little bit different focus, maybe a little bit different audience, but you very much are, at least in the CS world uh, and in the tech world, teaching uh and depending on where you go there's there's incredible potential to feel fulfilled in in the mission of your company and what you're providing for the world um you know the hours you may be helping save people on their day so that they can get back to their families their loved ones uh that that should not be lost on you and so it does make me uh excited and uh encouraged to know that there is a home in technology for educators most definitely. And technology needs educators just as much as education needs educators. Uh, because educators have this incredible skill set that is seems to be innate within us uh, to teach and and mentor and and uh, create advocates and raving fans. And so it does make me excited that there there is most definitely, uh, an exodus that is coming, coming my direction uh, and your direction, and, and Adam. Uh, so, so I'm excited to know that that talent is coming our way. But, but it is definitely heartbreaking on the the other uh, side of the coin as well, too. Well, this has been fantastic. You are the voice that these teachers need to hear right now. You are the perfect guest, and we are so thankful that you put in the time um, and thought behind all of your questions. So I'm going to give the floor to you to close out. What would be your closing advice, thoughts, inspiration, whatever you want to teachers as we close out the episode? And again, thank you so much, people. You can connect 
with Mitch on LinkedIn. Um, and, you know, he's a fountain of wisdom. So, Mitch, take it away. Yeah, well, first and foremost, Adam, uh, thank you so much for for you, Dan, and just inviting me on. This is something that uh, I immediately resonated with, the the idea of the podcast and and really the movement here. And so uh, thank you so much for, for having me on. And if I were to leave, leave any parting, you know, parting advice, uh, I, I would say I, I always had a saying when I was in the outdoors and uh, I, I, I'd always say I don't go out in the outdoors to rough it. I go out to smooth it. And I apply that to, to your life. You know, I, we all have one life and, and I'm not out here in life to rough it. I'm out here to smooth it. Uh, and I think um, I know that technology is a place where you teachers can can stop roughing it and start smoothing it um, if if that's the life and that's the leap that you're you're willing to take. And, and don't be afraid. There's many of us that are already here on the other side of, uh, of the aisle. We're here to help, as Adam said, uh, connect with me, reach out, use me as a resource. Um, uh, I'm ho hoping to be hiring here in the coming months. Um, I'm looking for you teachers out there, so don't be afraid. Um, and uh, just know that you don't have to rough it. You can definitely smooth it out there. <laughs>